Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning, Bethlehem Covenant Church. Thanks so much for joining us here on this last Sunday of January, January 28th. I hope you've had a wonderful week. It has warmed up for us here in Waverly. It has felt uh, incredible. The snow is kind of melting, and and uh, so it still looks beautiful, but warmer and uh, been a good week. Uh, We've gotten going on our uh, small groups and midweeks and breakout and collide youth groups and everything is going this new year and kicking off really well. Uh, Thank you for all your support and everything and the ways that you serve in our church or attend things and be a part of the fellowship here. And uh, we thank you also who watch uh, online these sermons and part of our church family there. We're we're glad we're praying for all of these services and and for you too. If you ever have any specific prayer requests or things we can do, um, please don't hesitate to reach out to me or to the church and, and we'll do what we can. This coming uh, Sunday, so a week from today, is our annual meeting. And it's going to be a potluck annual meeting after church. And uh, we're going to share about uh, 25 new members that are going to join. We have some new uh, leaders that will be voting in and a new budget for the upcoming year. And then just celebrating the things God has been doing in our church. And so come on out to that if you can. That's after church next Sunday, a potluck annual meeting. It'll take about an hour. We also have uh, the registration deadline coming up for the marriage retreat at Covenant Cedars. And my wife and I are going to that, including some other couples from the church, and would love it if you wanted to come. You can register right online at the Covenant Cedars website, and uh, it's coming up for February 9th through the 11th. And uh, that should be a real good time right before Valentine's Day. And so hopefully you can join us for that. All right, we're right in the middle here of a sermon series that I call Healthy. And we're looking at some of the different practices, spiritual disciplines and things that get healthy in our walk with God and in in our life. And so today I'm going to read a couple scriptures for us. If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, Genesis chapter 2. Verses 2 and 3 is the first one, and then also Matthew eleven, twenty-eight to 30. So I'll read both of those for us now. Genesis 2, 2 and 3, it says this, On the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And then over in Matthew eleven, twenty-eight to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So again, this sermon series is called Healthy. And it's about the spiritual disciplines and the practices that we are invited in the Bible to do to live in a healthier way in our walk with Christ and just being in the world. And the first week... We looked at prayer, in particular, 
I looked at two different scriptures, Mark 135, which is where Jesus goes off to pray and spend some time with the Father in the morning before he starts his day. And then the second scripture I looked at that week was Psalm 139, 23, where David prays, search me, O God, and know my heart, know my anxious thoughts and my offensive ways, and lead me in the way everlasting. And I encouraged us in that first week to be a people of prayer, in particular, to set aside our morning and evening for prayer. In the morning to pray just like Jesus did to start his day before the worries start and we rush out the door to seek a moment with the Father and ask him for help for that day and strength. But then also a prayer in the evening. I called that the prayer of examine. It's a spiritual discipline, been around a long time, which is before we go to bed to take a minute to think back on our day and everything that happened that day, giving thanks to, the, to God for the good stuff that happened and seeing where we saw God at work in that day and then also thinking about the things that we said or did that maybe weren't great, <laughs> that we maybe even need to ask forgiveness for and just ask God to help us be with tomorrow. So prayer in the morning and prayer in the evening. And then last week, I looked at the importance of the discipline of us Christians being in the word and turning off our phones and opening the word of God again in our homes and letting it shape us and teaching it to our children and, and not just listening to it, but doing it. Psalm 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God has given you and me the scriptures to make us wise and for salvation, and to be led through the struggles and trials of life. They reveal who God is, his character and his ways, our hope, and they're the primary way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us today. Taking time each day to be in his word. And, and a few of you have asked me this week, uh, what were those questions that my grandmother gave me to ask after reading a Bible verse that I had mentioned in that sermon. And, and just a reminder, those three questions are, when you read a scripture passage, it's to ask, what is this chapter? Tell me about God. What is this chapter? Tell me uh, about what we're to do and how we're to live. And then what does this chapter uniquely say to me today where I'm at? Those three questions, you know, can really open up how God wants to speak to you through the word. Well, this morning now, in our third sermon on this series, I want to talk about the importance of work and rest, both maintaining a healthy life and balance of work and rest. Uh, when I wrote out the outline for this sermon series, for this particular week, I just wrote out rest. I wanted to talk about the biblical importance of rest and stopping and being still, and how many of us need to make sure we're taking a Sabbath, and how the Bible speaks over and over about how important the Sabbath is to our spiritual and emotional and relational health. But when I sat down and began to study the scriptures uh, on that, I realized that to honor the Sabbath, you have to first Talk about work. You can't talk about rest 
without also talking about work. Because work is something that is also healthy and something that is good for us and something that God actually created us to do. When God made us, he put us to work. So I want to talk about both today, work and rest. To start, if you have your Bible still open there, just take a glance over at Genesis 2.15, okay? This verse is found before sin enters the world. It comes right after God created Adam and Eve. And it says in Genesis 2.15 that the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. God put us to work. Adam and Eve weren't made and then put in the garden to sit around all day or to just have conversations with God all day. We see this in the verse. Work has always been God's plan for us. Work isn't the punishment for sin. Work existed before sin came into the world. Work got harder after sin. The ground got tougher and the thorns and the thistles came. Work got harder for sure because of our sin. But work isn't a bad thing, a bad word. Work has always been part of God's plan for us. One of the reasons that he made us. God created us and then immediately put us to work, gave us something to do, to care for everything that he made, to tend to it, to plant, to harvest, to name and rule over it, to steward the earth. We were created in the image of God, and he is a creator God. He is a working God. We read in Genesis 1 that he created the earth in six days, and during that time, he brought forth the sun and the moon, and he made plants grow and flowers of all kinds, and he created rivers and oceans and mountains and animals and birds and fish of all kinds. I mean, he was busy. And then on the sixth day, God created us humans. We were made, it says, in his image, higher than all of the animals. He made us and he put us in charge of that which he made. And in our scripture for today... In Genesis 2, 2, it says that after God had made all that he made and saw that it was good, on the seventh day, God, it says, had finished his work. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. And he blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Within Genesis 2, 2 and 3, it uses the word work three times when speaking about God. God worked. So this teaches us something. Why do we work and then rest from our work? Because God did. And because that is what God created us to do 
to be like him, to work. And so, therefore, to work is not just something we have to do to make money and survive, or because we're fallen creatures and now we've got to toil. No. Work is part of the joy of living, part of who we are and why God made us to work and to rest, to see the fulfillment of a job well done, to use these bodies and minds that God has given to us for great things, to create things, to build and plant and harvest things, to teach, and to heal and to lead. We were made in the image of God. Work and rest is a reflection of who God is and what God does. Work is a good thing. God, our Father, is allowing us, his children, to participate with him in what he's doing in the world. We have a purpose for living, a reason for getting out of bed in the morning. We aren't to be slothful. We aren't to be lazy or just take from others. We're to work, to go do our jobs, to contribute, to help, to serve, to get up and go, to do. You feel better, don't you, when you got a job? When you have something to get up and do, it's because we were made to do good work. I have a memory of being a kid and my dad had some extra work to do at his job at Compassion one evening. And and on this particular night, I remember, he asked me and my sister to come and to help and he would pay us. And so we went and we stuffed envelopes in the mailing room. And I remember the good feeling that it was being a grown-up and, and I was working. I was, I was helping dad with something that, that was important and meaningful. And I even got a couple dollars for it. It was nice and I was hooked. This is the biblical idea of work. We were created to work, to feel the value of a good day's work, to be tired by work. For this is from God. God is at work in the world. He is still making and creating things every day, still telling the lightning bolts where to go, still seeking and saving the lost, still bringing down the rain and growing crops and providing for us. God is not sitting on a cloud somewhere. He is working God, still knitting together babies in their mommy's belly, still teaching us who he is and showing us the way. Our God is at work. Work and invites us to work with him in the world that he made. And maybe at times we fail to see the importance of the work that we are given to do. There is a, a, a great story told by Henry Ironside, who was pastor of Moody Bible Church in Chicago at the time that my grandparents went there back in the 1940s. And he told the church one Sunday about a cobbler that he had worked for when he was just a boy. Henry, like many kids back in the Depression, had to work as kids to provide for their families. He did too, even more so because his mom was a widow. So he took a job with a cobbler, shoemaker and fixer. The cobbler that he went to work for was a Christian man. He took pride in his work. He would put Bible verses, Henry said, on the wall of his shop. 
And when he finished a pair of shoes, he would take the extra time to carefully wrap them in nice paper and leave a little note inside. And this cobbler would speak to his customers with kindness and patience, and he learned them by name, and at times would even have a chance to share salvation with them. Henry said he learned a lot about taking pride in your work from the cobbler. He said the cobbler gave him the job of pounding the wet leather for the soles of the shoes before he would nail them in. And it was a tough job, he said, hard working, pounding that leather, but important work because if you didn't wet the leather and pound it down, the shoes would quickly pull and tear apart. That extra step ensured a long lasting good pair of shoes. Well, across the street, Henry said, was a different cobbler and not a Christian man. He was known for being lewd and often angry. He would cut corners. He fixed and made his shoes without pounding the leather. They were cheaper shoes and didn't last long. Once when Henry asked him why he did this, he smirked and said, because they come back for shoes quicker. When Henry told his cobbler about this, the old Christian man told him a great lesson. He said, my goal is not to get rich off of people. It's to do good work. And the Bible tells me that whatever I do, I'm to do it for the glory of God. Every shoe I make, I make for him, he said. I don't want to get to heaven and see all the broken and worn out pairs of shoes that I sold. I want to take pride in my work and to hear the Lord one day say, well done, good and faithful servant. The cobbler taught Henry that some people are called to preach, but others are called to make really good shoes. Both are serving God. What if we were, looked at our work like this? What if we saw that the work we did is, was just another thing we do for God? What if we saw we were made for this? How can you do what you do for God's glory? What extra care will you put into it? What ethical standard and the way that you talk to people? You're not just there to make money, but to do good work. Just recently at Doug Gable's funeral, I met a young man who worked for them. Doug and his wife, Jamie, started and operated Rock Creek Refuse. They had over 500 customers that they picked up the trash for, and they really took pride in their work, took time to learn each of their customers by name and would often say hello and then be even praying for them as they got to know them over the years. And Doug prided himself in getting to know the names of the people and something about them. And Every week they picked up trash and they, they cleaned up our community and, and they took pride in their work. It was their job, but they, they also employed people and they, they gave other people work. I met this one young man at their service whom they employed and he was in a wheelchair and, and he had this huge smile and was such a neat young man. He loved Doug and Jamie and wanted me to know everything about what they had done for him in his life. He had all these stories of how Doug took a chance on him and gave him a shot when others wouldn't pulled him out of a bad situation and how he loved to go to work there. And after he had gotten hurt, Doug and Jamie kept in touch and cared for him. You could see that giving him a job and respecting him really made a difference in this young man's life. 
Everyone's job matters. I mean, what if we didn't have trash pickup? What if we didn't have jobs for people just starting out? What if there were no plumbers or electricians or carpet layers or roofers or teachers who discover our kids' gifts and give them knowledge? What if there wasn't people who stock shelves and stores that provide places for other people to go and buy food, to put on their tables, to feed families? What if there wasn't guys who cleared snow from country roads or funeral directors or farmers who grow things or people in factories who make things? Others who play music that bring us such joy or paint paintings that bring color and life to our homes or others who trim trees or drive bus or police who keep us safe or others who cut our hair. I remember this one haircut place when my kids were young in Canada. It was so creative. I mean, the kids sat in a chair like a race car. They got cool spray color in their hair. The girls got fancy curls and ribbons. My kids loved going there. Someone thought about that. Every time I go and eat at Vikes, the taste Nick's awesome sauces are, I mean, I'm like, this guy can make food taste really good. Every job matters. We take our car to a shop that that patches our tires and knows us by name when we walk through the front door. And he asks me how things are going. And at times... This place doesn't even charge me, probably because I go there so much. But those guys got an important job. I go to Emily Walker as my doctor in Waverly. She really helped me this last year find out what was going on in my health and make me better. My point is God created us for work. We each have jobs that matter to somebody. God is watching how we do our jobs. We're to be good stewards, to help others, to do good work. And and you can serve God, whether a cobbler or a landlord or a teacher or a preacher or a clerk in a store, just by doing a good job, by making good shoes, by fixing that car with care, by investing in people, by being kind, by helping out, by doing what's right. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, it says, don't be idle. Paul says, follow our example, for we're not idle when we're with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we work night and day not to be a burden to you, and we have given you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shouldn't eat. In 1 Thessalonians 4.11, it says, make it your ambition to live a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you won't be dependent on anybody. My big point in all of this is to say that God created you for work. Work is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Part of living the life God has given you. God has given you and me stuff to do with our day. It's part of a healthy self-esteem even. You know, my mom, she works so hard every day to take care of our family and home. Her work was us and our home, feeding and clothing and making our house a true home and holding our family together in love. We each have a job to do every day. 
And maybe it isn't so much what job we have, but how we do that job that God has given us with a thankful heart, with love in the way we treat people at work that we serve or our boss or co-workers or customers, with integrity and care in doing the best that we can to how we use the money we receive from that job. Whatever we do, we're to do it for the glory of God. We should do good work, not a half effort or complaining or just living for the weekend or retirement, but see your work through his eyes. But now I turn to the other part of that, rest. Because life is about balance. It's work and rest that God calls us to. And like anything good, We can make it bad when it becomes our idol. We can become unhealthy. We need to remember even God rested from his work. Even Jesus stopped in his important mission and went off to a solitary place to pray. Work is a wonderful thing, but good things can become bad things very quickly when we let them take over our lives and take our eyes off of our Savior, our God, or our family. When we become greedy or fearful or consumed by our work or forget that God is really our provider, when we can't stop or shut down or turn off the computer or phone, when we can't get away for a while, then we know it's not from God anymore. One of the disciplines that God has given us to guard against work becoming our idol is the Sabbath. In Exodus 20, we read the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses. And in Exodus 20, verse 8, it tells us the fourth commandment. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you should labor and do your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shouldn't do any work. Neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male and female servant nor your animals or foreigner residing in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. I've often wondered why we Christians who are so concerned about being biblical How come we follow nine of the Ten Commandments, but ignore this one? We don't say that don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't lie, steal, or covet. We're just for a time back then. We still believe God expects obedience to us, from us on those things. But when it comes to honor the Sabbath, we somehow treat it differently. Yet throughout the Old Testament, when God's people started to forget the Sabbath that's when they started to forget God. When he, you know, stopped being central in their heart and weak, other things started to become more important than him. And the people wandered into many sins. The Sabbath was there for a reason. The commandment for a reason. God worked six days and then he rested. And so he wants us to follow his lead. He wants us to schedule our week off of what he did and said. To take a rest like him. The word holy means set apart. Sabbath is a day set apart for rest and to remember God and to enjoy the fruits of our labor and relationships. 
I read this really thought-provoking thing this week in my study about rest and Sabbath, and it said this, God's word tells us to take a Sabbath. The Sabbath is a 24-hour time period set aside to stop, rest, delight, and worship. It's the best day of the week. In our era of chronic exhaustion, emotional unhealth, and spiritual stagnation, few things are more necessary than the recovery of this ancient practice. In the time of Jesus, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had turned the Sabbath into just a bunch of rules that you couldn't do. They were legalistic about it, but they missed the whole point of it. Even today, an Orthodox Jew is unable to turn their kitchen stove on or off during the Sabbath because they believe that turning that dial and lighting the flame is considered work. They also aren't allowed to walk beyond a mile or it's considered work. But what if we consider taking a walk is what we delight in? What if cooking a nice meal for our family is what brings us rest or joy? You see, it's not about legalism, it's about rest. In the Gospels, we read how the Pharisees got after Jesus for breaking Sabbath when his disciples picked grain to eat, or when Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath. The religious leaders had so lost touch with the purpose and the meaning of the Sabbath that they could not see what was good. It was just a rule to them. In Mark 2.27, Jesus even said to them that the Sabbath was, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is even Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus was trying to get them back to the purpose and the gift of the Sabbath. When God gave the command to people to rest on the Sabbath, he was giving his people a gift. A gift. They had just come out of slavery Their whole life, they had been slaves to masters who ruled them harshly and brutally and made them work every day with no break and no chance to rest or worship God, no chance to let their bodies heal or or to spend their time with their families or kids. These masters broke their spirit and their backs, but God delivered them from that life rescued them out of slavery, brought them into a land flowing with milk and honey, and gave them commands to live by. And I think it is out of love for them that God tells them, honor the Sabbath. It is his love for them who are not slaves anymore. God is not a ruthless master breaking their backs. He is their father who loves them. And he is saying, stop, take a day, rest, rejuvenate, enjoy Know that it is me who puts the food on your table. Don't worry. He is their God and they are his children. The Sabbath is gift. The Sabbath was the seventh day traditionally, which meant Saturday. Actually, Sabbath began Friday sundown and went to Saturday sundown. It it began with dinner. In each person's home, a family would gather together after a long week and would put out the nice tablecloth and use the best dishes and they would prepare a beautiful meal with lots of taste and wine and they would eat together around that table as a family and pray together, give thanks to the Lord who is good and they'd read scriptures and and then they would go to sleep and that began their Sabbath rest. And then the next day, they would take time in synagogue and afternoon, and they would play and have music and enjoy life and one another. 
they would live. God didn't make us slaves. He gave us life, life with good work and also time to rest and enjoy, to remember him and to love him and our families well, to stop and be still and enjoy the beauty of creation. All of this is the meaning of Sabbath. It's knowing how to work and how to rest and how to rest in him, to trust our need in life to him, to not allow greed to take over, to not miss the moments in the seasons, to not walk away from God and forget who we are, to be able to enjoy the sunshine and take a walk and plant a garden, to, to run a few model trains, to play and to laugh and to gather with other believers and worship, to have friends over. For you are no longer slaves. You are God's children. He watches over you. So do good work but also rest. Do you know how to rest? Do you know how to turn off your phone at the end of a work day and enjoy the presence of your wife undistracted? To be in the moment and not somewhere else? Do you know how not to worry about tomorrow, but to trust that God will be there and he who provided for you today will provide for you tomorrow? Do you know how to love and to enjoy, and to worship, and to close your eyes and fall asleep in peace? Do you know how to be content with what you have and what you were able to get done and just be thankful? Our bodies need this. We need rest. Our life needs this, needs the rhythms of work and rest. Our weeks need to have order to them. Our days need to have structure to them. Our lives need to have purpose. Our minds need a break. Our bodies need to stop. Our hearts need time to connect. This is all Sabbath. In the book of Hebrews, it compares Sabbath with what Jesus brings. In him, we find true rest, salvation, and peace with God. That is why Jesus said in Matthew 11, the other scripture I had us read, he says, come to me, you who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble of heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Christ, we find Sabbath. We find rest on the deepest level and we learn from him how to work and rest. We learn from him on how to keep our life healthy, to keep our focus on the Lord. He invites us once a week to stop and trust and know that he's got us, to rest in him and his forgiveness and salvation and to enjoy the gifts that he gives us. My day off is Monday. I try to honor that. I have learned when I don't take that day, I suffer. I have learned the hard way. But I have also had many older pastors in my life uh, tell me to take my Sabbath, to not neglect it, to not let the urgency of the work pull me back in, but to work hard six days a week and then to rest. And on that day, not to check emails, to not answer calls that I don't need to, to not schedule meetings unless absolutely necessary, but to learn how to let go and trust and rest to step away, to do something I enjoy. I take Carrie for lunch every Monday. That's been good for our marriage. I spend time walking or reading. 
I watch a movie sometimes, usually a good 1980s one. <laughs> I make something. I spend time thinking about God, not just preparing sermons, but just as a follower of Christ. I used to have trouble with this. It seemed that Monday mornings I was already starting to worry about the week ahead. Satan was trying to steal my rest, and it began to hurt me and my marriage and my attitude. But I've learned how to stop and that I'm not Superman. I have limits. I need Sabbath. So much of Sabbath is learning how to trust God to be God, knowing that he is looking after me and my family and that this world isn't going to fall apart by me stopping for 24 hours. I encourage you to think about work and rest this week. What work has God given you to do? It might be laundry and cleaning house. It may be farming or teaching or working at a store. Do good work for his glory. And then stop and rest in him. How can you practice Sabbath in your life and home? Our wonderful Palestinian guide in Israel told me that after a tour, he goes for a half-day fishing. And in that rest, solitude, and silence with God, he is refreshed and able to be and ready to start the next tour. God worked and rested. And to be healthy, we must learn his way. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.